As the 2022 NFL season reaches its final month, those of us in Dynasty Leagues are turning our attention to 2023. Which IDP should you take with you? And who should get left behind? That and more this week on the IDP Blitz. Hands up, get ready, it's the IDP show With the football guys and Sigmund Bloom, you know how that goes This ain't your typical, we deliver the hard facts This is the dopest fantasy football podcast It's when to go home, everything's at risk Welcome to something new, it's the IDP Blitz When to go home, everything's at risk Welcome to something new, it's the IDP Blitz Josh here with Adam and Bobby from the IDP show. Joined this afternoon by the legend Sigmund Bloom of Football Guys. Talking risers and fallers for IDP Dynasty Leagues. Stick around to the end of the episode as we'll look at some players whose stock has surged or sunk in 2022. But first, gentlemen, let's talk about our dynasty approaches in general. Sig, there comes a point in every season where dynasty managers, many of them, have to thread a difficult needle, going all in to win a title versus holding on to assets for the future. Now, the approach, it's going to vary from one person to the next, but if you know that you have a shot, that your window is open, Sig, I'd love to hear about your approach in dynasty leagues. How hard are you willing to push to get a ring? Oh, all the way. All the way, right? I mean, that's why we do this, guys. Hey, the Rams are falling apart. The Lions are going to get a top five pick. Does anyone care? You think the Rams fans are like, no, maybe we should have been more prudent. Maybe we shouldn't have pushed so hard year after year after year because we would have more assets for the future. Come on. Now, be honest with yourself because in fantasy football, there's chaos. Chaos, the further we get in the season, the more chaotic it gets, the less reliable the information is, the injury landmines go off, teams way of thinking about whether to rest players you can shut them down for the season changes all kinds of stuff gets wacky and you just try your best to stay up with it and you're getting a ticket you're getting a chance to win the tournament so in some ways my favorite teams to make a push for guys are not the teams that are set up as the number one seed and are really if you look at the way they stack up against other teams that you're feeling good and maybe you get that one extra piece just gratuitous over the top. It's the teams that are maybe just barely going to sneak in the playoffs, but if you get hot, you get that one extra piece. Now you're going to take down one of the big dogs and make them regret it, not going harder, make them regret not making moves because if you can get into the tournament, you've got a chance to win. And that's, what's really fun. So yeah, um, you're, you're trading speculation. You're trading mystery boxes. Uh, one of the other things I'll add to this, because this is the last chance I could hang out with you guys this year, and I want to take advantage of this opportunity to pass on. You all are very indulgent, and you make me feel like, well, I, I, I should share what I have to share. Um, and this, to me, just is to illuminate how much fun it is to win a championship. Because it's hard, especially if you're in a good league. The, like The championships you want to win are the hardest to win when you're in the toughest leagues with the best competition. It's hard. A lot of things got to break right for you to win a championship, not just your decisions, not just how smart you are or how good you are at fantasy football. And when I do win a championship, and this is how rare it is, I like to take a look at my starting lineup and look at every player. And how did I get that player? I'll go back as far as I have to. Did I draft them? Did I trade for them? Did I pick them up? Did I pay a lot for them when I picked them up? Was it an afterthought pickup? What did I outbid? Did I, did I go strong to the hole for them? Um, and, and just see the journey. 
because it makes you understand how many things have to come together exactly right to win a championship, which again is why how that's how hard it is. If you can get to the playoffs, try to get to the playoffs. If you can get in the playoffs, try to win a championship. You can always rebuild those assets in the future, but you may not have another chance. You often can go back and look at playoff teams that if you had made one decision differently in your lineups, you would have won a championship. So give yourself that chance to fail. Yeah, a little Ancestry.com for your dynasty rosters, Bobo. I love that idea of figuring out where did these players come from, especially for you as the Wheeler dealer around this table. I think that would probably take you a better part of 48 hours to figure out how you acquired all of your assets in our main league. But I feel like you're actually pretty similar to Sig when it comes to your dynasty approach, Bobo. You are the type that is just getting the dance and see what happens. Yeah, and I haven't always been that way. You know, I feel like more here recently, um, exactly like what you're saying, Josh, Dynasty for me, just about getting into the playoffs. Um, because especially in Dynasty IDP leagues, you really just never know. Um, you know, we have to kind of mention that in the RSO, the XFFL, our main league, I don't think the favorite has ever won the title. So. It has normally either been a three, four, even a five or a six seed, um, like Sig is saying. So grabbing that late, Miles Sanders, like I got this morning, Cordero Patterson, whoever it might be, um, IDP-wise, going and grabbing a linebacking dart throw or even paying attention to injuries. Looks like I'm going to lose Aaron Donald for the rest of the year. I'm going to have to go get a D-tackle to put in that spot. Um, it just gets weird. Fantasy football is great through about November and everything stays about steady. And then December and January, when we're in weeks 16, 17, 18, um, it kind of gets flipped on his head a little bit. Yeah, you're, the chaos is ramped up, Addy, and I think there's a factor we should mention here, which is that IDP, the variability of that week to week, increases the chances that that five or six seed, if they make it into the dance, could win the whole thing because that's just an added layer. Maybe with offense, you can pretty well say, well, my team really would have to have the best week ever, but with IDP, that's just a little kind of sprinkling of unpredictability that makes this even more exciting. Well, and a lot of times your top teams get kind of complacent, you know, they're, they're studs to start and then they just kind of, they just get comfortable where they're at. And those guys that are trying to fight and claw their way into it, they're more locked in with everything that's going on. So yeah, I I think that's why you're, you're seeing that happen. Yeah, and your your approach, Addy, is I think maybe a little different because you are willing to push, but up to a point. Sure, yeah. So I, th- I think it, it matters based on the league you're in. If you're in a league, you know, if, if you've been in a league for 10 years, right, and you only have one ring, um, it doesn't really mean much. You know, there's 12 other people in that league. I mean, it just, it's, it's, it's not that important. Like, what I want to do I want to build a dynasty. That's what it's called. It's called, it's, it's called dynasty, right? I mean, you want to build a team that is competitive for a decade. Um, I want to make it, I want to make it not enjoyable for, for my league mates and, and closest friends. Yeah. You want to absolutely make your closest friends miserable. That's right. what fantasy football is all about. But I mean, I've been there. I've done that. I've, I've done the thing where I go all in and trade a bunch of future assets, but I think, you know, two or three years later, if you haven't repeated, I think you're going to kind of regret that. Um, you're essentially like the Rams right now. Right. That's yeah. the place I'm in in our main league. And I got to tell you, it's not a real fun place it's to be because really I'm not competitive. And next year probably doesn't look that much no, fun either. It's going to be probably two or three years out. So, yeah, there is a flip side to that going all in approach. So I think if you're going to make moves via trades, you know, don't go acquire the the Devin Whites, the Roquan Smiths, the Nick Boltons. Those guys are going to cost a first, right? Mm-hmm. 
If you're looking to make a trade, go offer a third for a Josie Jewell, a Frankie Louvu, a TJ Edwards. All three of these guys are top 10 in points per game this year. All three of these guys also may have a decent role next year. You know, I mean, there's there's Josie Jewell's under contract. Um, Frankie Louvu is still under contract. Uh, and TJ Edwards, I mean, he he's going to be a free agent, but the guy is, the, I think, the third highest graded linebacker according to PFF this year. So, And not a single week scoring fewer than double-digit points. Yeah. That's going to be a green consistency chart across the board for TJ Edwards. Yeah. So, yeah, this... Speaking of acquisition, Sig, Mm -hmm. I always enjoy our conversations because you bring a lot of interesting insight to the table in terms of when to buy and sell IDP assets. So thinking about this idea of acquisitions, you mentioned sort of looking at your roster after the season, figuring out where these players came from. In Dynasty League, Sig, are there certain characteristics you find yourself going after when you're making Dynasty trades? And is that at all impacted by what phase your team is in if you're going for yeah. it maybe you're yeah. reloading how, how do you approach that yeah i mean certainly you're looking at where you're at and in your team's uh story um and i think there's some things almost like naturally built in uh going back to the idea that you don't want to truly go all in right you don't want to trade for nick bolton somebody that's going to be a cornerstone asset but here's where it, this all ends up working itself out. Self-regulation, the, mar- the market regulates itself for us. Um, and this is why when I saw this question, guys, here's <laughs> here's the kind of trade I look for, okay? I'm not I'm really not trying to be um, you know, silly or absurd when I say this. I'm looking for a trade that actually can happen. <laughs> right? I'm looking for yeah, I'm looking Of course. I'm looking for a trade that actually has a good chance of happening. Um, and that's why like going back to the point of try to get Josie Jewell or tr- try to get somebody and look in idp these getting a jack sanborn like if you got zyre franklin if you got jack sanborn right when they first started hitting when folks like well then maybe this is just temporary what a value you got you got somebody that like might be looked like looked at like nick bolton in a year maybe not even a year what what reasons there jack sanborn isn't going to go forward with this role for this offense yeah i mean this defense so so it's the play like just try to get players that you can get at this point and I think that as we've been talking about, as we've been dancing around, guys, I'm just going to be straight and blunt about this. When you actually look at who wins the championship in your IDP league, it's often senseless. Like it just doesn't, it's like you said, like the lower seeds, whatever. It doesn't necessarily reward the best team over the course of the whole year. But isn't that just like football? Football doesn't give the Super Bowl to the best team over the, the years. Who was the best team in that game? And the point about top seeds getting complacent is such a good one because it's uh it's caring you know it's giving a crap Mm -hmm. like it's actually and when you're scuffling to make the playoffs you're caring you're churning the bottom of your roster you're trying to get ahead of like the like you're saying like know the injuries on your team try to reinforce different spots where you might need help where the other teams aren't doing that and then come week 16 and week 17 they're finding themselves starting somebody they don't even want to play uh so I, I've mentioned this story before, but in one of the in the league I deal with John Norton and Red Eye Masters, one year, and this, by the way, is a good argument to shut down waivers once the playoff starts and say that part of the strategy is you have to build your roster at the beginning of the playoffs for, and if whatever happens, happens, man. Uh, because I was able to build my defense in the championship week, I think from six or seven players I picked up that week that week uh wow it's because of how chaotic the end of the season is 
And also because how IDP fantasy football, a little more than offensive fantasy football, rewards participation. And it even can reward being on a bad team. Like it can reward, um, you know, like what's what are the things we like in offensive fantasy football? Touchdowns, right? The good things happening, gains of yardage. For IDP, if, if you're on the field for 70, 75 plays, like 45 of them are running plays, oh, that's good eating. Your team sucks, you know? And you might be on the field because the starter went down. But you're still there to collect 13 tackles when your team gets blown out 37-3 in week 17. And that's what determines who wins the championship. It's senseless. It's senseless, guys. But at the same time, it rewards people who are paying attention and caring. And that's the people that are just trying to edge into the playoffs and then making those trades. So the simplest way to look at it in a dynasty perspective are just who are those players that have that short window of value? Because those teams that aren't making the playoffs want to trade those players. They're happy to trade them. These are the trades that can happen. So that's why I say the trades I'm looking for are the trades that can happen. There you go, Bobo. If you're trimming the fat from your roster, I feel like you'll get this as someone who has hunted previously. Sure. But if you are trimming the fat from your roster throughout the season, you got to keep your knife sharp and paying attention, making trades, making waiver acquisitions, churning that roster keeps your knife sharp, keeps you plugged in on what's happening. And especially as the chaos amplifies near the end of the season, as it's the war of attrition, players are dropping out left, right, and center. You're the type that is already programmed to pay attention to these little changes week to week or big changes in the case of an Aaron Donald going out for the rest of the season. Bobo, you, we mentioned kind of jokingly, have been the trade master this year in our main league. So I'm curious, what characteristics are you looking for when you're making dynasty trades? You know, one thing, and and we'll talk about a couple, you know, of the more mainstream type of reasons why you would go after guys but one thing that I've really seen especially IDP wise um, in acquiring guys who might start to see a bigger role either you know going into the next season in the offseason or even some weeks where you know we've talked about early on I think Sig talked about Detroit you know that defense just wasn't working you know the Raiders have been a weird defense things are going to start to change when you see those teams um, continue to be bad um, a lot of people want to talk in IDP in the offseason about, well, this team is primarily a one-linebacking scheme. This team primarily runs out however many DBs on whatever down. Things can change. You know, me and Adam kind of spearheaded that in the offseason when looking at people like Nick Bolton, Ernest Jones, Quay Walker, and honestly, even Minka Fitzpatrick. If you look at the at the beginning of the big three IDP infancy Minka Fitzpatrick was one of my dark horse breakouts and it was because he was kind of playing that weird slot cornerback role and I kind of thought that he could maybe transition a little bit more to a a premier safety role and we I caught a lot of flack for that and I caught we've caught a lot of flack for the Ernest Jones and Quay Walker taking the offseason we've caught a lot of flack about Nick Bolton and Steve Spagnola that's going to change. He's not going to be there every down linebacker. Well, because I moved a fourth or whatever piece of nonsense um, um, trade piece in the offseason to go get these speculative pieces, we're sitting here with Nick Bolton in week 12 feeling just fine. Feeling fine. Addy, I think your approach here I like a lot. It's very similar to mine. Very simple philosophy is? Yeah, we just want to sell the olds and uh, buy the dips of the young. There you go. <laughs> what better way to uh, to phrase it than to cash out on you the drink olds? Drink the blood of the young. I was gonna yeah, say, yeah, are yeah. are we? <laughs> Zig's like, what? No, that's it. Uh, yeah. 
That's it. And that's so are are we are we cashing out on ourselves as the olds around this table, Addy? Uh, yeah. Should people be cashing yeah. out on us as well? Of course. And, and they should have sold in. a couple years ago. Yeah, should have, should have cashed out when you had a chance. <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I'm cashing out big name veterans or overperforming previously unknown IDPs. These sorts of Jack Sanborns, uh, Caden Ellis, uh, Zaire Franklins for the highly drafted, highly talented rookies or there's second year players who haven't quite popped yet. I will say I've also seen like some trades out there that have been screenshotted that have uh, people that have sold Jack Sanborn and and some of the returns are insane like people getting like multiple seconds for Jack Sanborn. Yeah, if you're getting that type of deal, yes, you cash out. Mm-hmm. But I don't understand these leagues that that's happening in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh, people desperate, people horny for some linebackers uh, if they're giving up horny, multiple people seconds. People dumb. Yeah, but I would love to get in a league with these these types. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that would be nice if we had a Jack Sanborn type and could cash that out because that's just not happening. No I one's think, given me more than a third probably for Jack Sanborn. And that would feel generous. Yeah. I think if you got a fourth, that would probably be what I would expect. But I'm um, not. I'm not uh, impressed by those flexes out there, folks. Just, just saying. Just saying. <laughs> but if you can get two seconds for Jack Sanborn, do, do it. it. Yeah. But I'm. I'm thinking about the, the the highly drafted guys who haven't quite popped yet. These. I'm particularly thinking of edge rushers, and we're going to mention a couple of risers and fallers here in just a moment. And some of these names are the types of guys that I'm going after, especially the edge rushers, because we've seen it just takes some time for these guys to develop, to mature, to understand the position and how to win those one-on-one matchups every single rep. And so I'm looking to get those guys for positional scarcity, for the fact that we play in big play leagues, the fact that if you know, uh, three down linebackers are coming off the assembly line seemingly every week now. So that's the move I like to make. If you can cash out and get one of those young guys, I like that. What do y'all think about breaking down a big stud like, say, Miles Garrett for Jalen Phillips and Kayvon Thibodeau? Do you, would you do something like that? I think I would. That's a fantastic question for Sig, honestly. Yeah, because yeah. that's yeah, what I, I did was, that. Guys, remember? Well, that's what I. I, yeah, I, I, the trade. I mean, maybe, maybe, but maybe it's because that was Miles Garrett like six years ago or five years ago. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I, I just do you ever ha- do you ever have like the uh, sorry to cut you off, but the the Miles Garrett like is that the one thing that's still in your head when somebody sends you a trade or you're thinking about sending off one of these guys, Sig, that makes you think like I want to sell this piece, but am I is this going to be the ten percent of times that I regret well, it? You know, well, I think that. Really, really early on in fantasy football, guys, like 20 years ago, probably, uh, one of the things I remember that was a one of those truisms was the team that gets the best player in the trade probably won the trade. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, I'm okay with breaking up. It's like breaking your dollar into four quarters. I'm okay with doing that with Miles Garrett. But if I want four quarters, you know, I mean, you're not just talking about, hey, if Kayvon Thibodeau and Jalen Phillips and these guys level off to be like matchup plays or boom bust linebacker two or edge two, wherever we are by the time they're really hitting. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. Because of VBD, hats off to, to my partner, uh, Joe Bryant, um, the edge that the elite players give you isn't just as simple as breaking it down into four edges that, um, you know, above average players give you. So the only way I mean, I want to see one of Thibodeau or Phillips turn into a top six or eight edge rusher 
and I don't know how to put odds on that, guys, but it's not 50-50 for both of them, okay? Mm-hmm. So, sure, I'm okay with breaking up a Miles Garrett, a, a TJ Watt, or, or, you know, it's a little late for Aaron Donald. I'm okay with doing that, but you have to plant a lot of different seeds, and you have to see the real value in terms of how much this player can tilt. So, again, when I talk about how it's senseless, right? On the offensive side of the football, I know we remember things like Jamal Charles had a five touchdown game in week 15 when that was the penultimate week. My, uh, Alvin Kamara's six touchdown game on Christmas, right? Miles Garrett can do that, right? Kayvon Thibodeau may or may not be able to do that eventually, right? So I just, I'm hesitant. And again, because I can now, I traded Miles Garrett at the beginning of his career arc. That was ridiculously bad. But, but still, Miles Garrett still takes over a game, right? Like, guys, how many, how many players? truly can take over a game defensively in the NFL right now, right? It's not many. It's very few. Miles Garrett is still mm-hmm. one of those players. And going back to not a Zen Koan kind of answer to what do you look for in a trade, but this goes on to what y'all were saying too, is t- just talent. Just talent, because IDP, situation, and all these different things, scheme, role, they're so uh, unstable. Talent is stable. Now, coaches knowing how to get that talent and turn it into production isn't stable, but that's okay. I'm going to bet on talent. Um, I also wanted to touch really quickly since you're giving me the mic again, cause you all are so kind. It's like, it's like, I know that like in a couple of like 30 minutes, I'm not going to get to talk to your audience anymore. Um, <laughs> when people give you flack, I know that the, the subject was brought up of saying, you know, I'm going to throw some chips on these speculative plays. Cause if they hit, they'll hit big. And now here I am. And they've hit big, even though at the time people were saying that's crazy doing this for as long as I have, Oftentimes, the most important takes that I've forged in the, the take kitchen uh, <laughs> is, are, are the ones that people immediately react and say, that's crazy. That's terrible. It's almost like like most of the people in the audience are respectable, respectable, They're hopefully respectable, respectful. <laughs> and I think y'all in, in the level and the wavelength y'all pitch your content at, you probably get mostly like really respectful people, like really kind, generous mm-hmm. of spirit people. So the people who are willing to say what this advice you're asking me to listen to your show or subscribe or whatever for this it's almost like they're an indicator telling you because they're willing to be that negative and outspoken and it's like they're this counter indicator that if it makes them mad it's like how dare you even suggest that you're on to something there you go the take kitchen i'm gonna steal that now we're gonna have the sewed shack and the take kitchen And uh, brand that. We'll send you royalty. What do you, these cakes don't make themselves. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Doing your mise en place for your uh, for your take kitchen. I love it. Yeah. So, speaking of takes, gentlemen, we could sit here and talk hypothetical trades and targets and guys that we would like to go after, or we could just talk some some players. We could give some takes on some IDPs. We should mention there are lots of good dynasty rankings out there, football guys. Obviously, we want to shout them out. Adam, though, for this episode specifically, he's in the he's in the dynasty ranks every day. He's doing the work. We asked him to pull some risers and fallers over the course of this season. IDPs who have either risen up his dynasty ranks or fallen for whatever reason. And we're just going to go through here. We got about four or five players lined up for both categories. And we're going to talk them through to see, are we buying these players at a discount? Are we selling high if their stock has risen? Or are we looking to hold? 
And uh, Sig, we're going to cue you up okay. here on this first one because it's a player that you mentioned having uh, that you were going to go after. Now, this was before the back injury set right. Shaq Leonard back and really threw his future into question for the Colts, for his NFL career, for his IDP outlook. You mentioned if we're having a funeral for Shaq yeah. Leonard, it's going to be on your roster. Are we yeah. having a, a funeral for Shaq Leonard on your roster, Sig? Yeah, I'm checking. I mean, I'm checking because so I think I I might have mentioned this already. I never remember who I've said what to. I'd say things repeat myself a lot these days. Um, I think that fantasy football information is so good and so readily available now that the buy low, sell high days are over and it's buy high or I'm sorry, it's buy high, sell low or otherwise. Um, you almost have to be the contrarian take is immediately absorbed, synthesized and absorbed into the hive mind to where the only move left to make if you want to make a move is the contrarian take to the contrarian take. In this case, the contrarian take is uh, Jack Leonard's done. You know, I mean, it's like it's like don't even think about trading for him because come on, he's got leg issues connected to neck and back issues. He's a linebacker. You remember uh, Colts? I'm going to remember Bob Sanders, right? I mean, they're just certain players that the way they play the game, their physiology just isn't going to allow them to play the game for forever. Uh, and it sure looks like Shaq Leonard's at the end of the line. So whatever you give up for Shaq Leonard is wasted. You're just giving it away, uh, which makes me think that, hey, check on that 10 cents for the dollar. I mean, you guys are talking about Jack Sanborn, a third or fourth round pick. I'm giving a third or a fourth round pick for Jack Sanborn all day. I'm probably giving a second round pick for Jack Sanborn Ooh, at this point. Spicy. Well, I mean, two seconds might be a little much. Tell me about your scoring. Tell me about like the kinds of linebackers that are usually available in the second round. But look, Jack Sanborn, number one, has shown he can produce. Number two is in a posi- in a situation where, I mean, the Bears need everything. So if they have somebody that they can just use for a couple of years as that guy, they'd be happy to do that and invest elsewhere. Like they're already showing you with Roquan Smith. Maybe it's Roquan Smith. Maybe it's the position. They're not valuing him. They're, they're having a chance to sign him and make him a long-term piece. They're like, no thanks. Okay. So a second round pick is still a, a mystery box, you know? Um, so anyway, getting back to Shaquille Leonard, you know, the, what's not a mystery is that we know he can play. And if you can get Shaq Leonard for a third round pick, I mean, Absolutely. Third round picks, if you look at the hit rate, go back and look who went in the third round of your draft. You're going to find one or two hits here and there, but you're looking at like a less than 10% chance, right? I don't know the odds on Shaq Leonard's. I don't know about his condition. I'm not enough of an expert in medicine to know if it's possible that he can get all the way back. But I know that if he gets back, that he's going to be, you know, he was a player that tilted the scales. So I at least want to check. And I'm in more like... If I get if I inquire about Shaq Leonard and I get something that makes me pause as a counter, then I probably should just take it. Like if I'm stopping and thinking about it, I'm like, would I do that? Yeah. You know, now now when you wanted me to really blow our minds here, like let's get it, let's get down to blast tax. What if you got an offer of Jack Sanborn for Shaq Leonard? Right? I was just thinking that. Yeah. yeah. What are you doing, Sig? Right. And I think that is Jack Sanborn. And I think it's Jack Sanborn. I think it's <laughs> wow. Jack, I think it's Jack Sanborn because again, but guys, come on. Things move so fast in IDP Dynasty football. Mm-hmm. They move so fast. What is Blake Martinez worth? What was he worth a year ago? You yeah. know, and how many of these guys that are entrenched as IDP studs? How many of them did we see coming? How many of them? I've been playing IDP fantasy football long enough to know that, even more so than on the offense side of the football. Forget pedigree. 
just forget about it. I mean, there are players that can, because of their pedigree, they can add value to roles by making big plays and things like that. Like they can just make these inspiring big plays. But so much of IDP production is just doing your job, just being in the right place, playing, performing your role, sound tackling, you know, just doing what you're supposed to do. And I, I think that Jack Sanborn in that momentum, because guys, we're looking at Jack Sanborn again. We may look back and say, who won the IDP championship in your league? Who picked up Jack Sanborn and Caden Ellis? It might just be that simple. It might just be that simple. So, but I think that illuminates the kinds of risks that we want to take. Um, and I think it, it, a good, that's a good question because it really gets down to not just your feelings about these specific players, but your philosophy. Um, but I think that chances are, guys, both Sanborn and Leonard are worth, are available for less than what they're actually worth. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. And I think, Addy, for me, the we had this conversation a little bit last week on the preview podcast was Shaq Leonard specifically, there's just so many complicating factors now. Uh, there is the shadow of his legacy and what he has done for IDP and for the Colts. And there's these multiple surgeries. It's not just the the back and the, the, the calf and the nerve, it's the concussions, it's the other lingering injuries we've heard about for the past three years. Oh, this surgery is going to get him healthy. No, this one, no, this one. But there's also the factor of the Colts' uncertainty with their GM, with their coach. Do they bring back Bobby O'Karake as Shaquille Leonard insurance? If they do, what does that do to Shaq Leonard's outlook? Could they get anything for Shaq? Could they get a sixth-round pick for Shaquille Leonard coming off back surgery with that contract. I don't know. There's just so much going on that as much as I would love to say, yeah, I'll buy Shaq at a discount. You may just have a sunk cost asset on your squad. So I have some severe hesitancy, even as someone who's obviously jerseys on the wall, a big fan of Shaquille Leonard. Didn't he also hint around at retiring at one point saying he didn't have a love, uh, love for the game or something? Yeah. With him? Yeah. There's, yeah, there's that aspect of it as well. At what point does this become an Andrew Luck situation yeah. where it's like, I just don't want to do this surgery recovery. Yeah. The mental grind of that every off season is sure. a lot. Yeah. If you're already questioning that and then that's before the injuries really start to pile up, it's mm-hmm. not going to get better. I wouldn't think look at the points per game too. I mean, I know this year is pretty much a lost year. Only played 76, uh, 76 snaps this year, but Points per game wise, seven point nine this year. That was fifteen point three in twenty twenty one, sixteen point six in twenty twenty, and twenty point six in twenty nineteen. So that is a big arrow down points per game wise. Yeah, so he's been trending down, and part of that has to do with the emergence of Okereke. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe the injuries were taking their toll long before this season. Let's move to another player, though, gentlemen, that is arrowed down. Recently, and a great stat here, Addy, I'm going to cue you up on to kick things off here. Logan Wilson has been trending down for reasons that, honestly, I haven't quite been able to piece together yet. But you pulled a really interesting stat looking back at even last season, Addy. Let's uh, let's start there with Logan Wilson. Okay, so last season, 13.3 points per game. But let's look a little closer at that. He was averaging 17 points per game weeks one through eight, and he only averaged 7.3 points per game weeks nine through 18. So going back to last year, since week nine of 2021, Logan Wilson has been held under 11 points in 12 of his last 15 games. Three of those games were under six points. Not good. Not great. Not good. The tackles, those are also down Um, tackles per game in 2021 were seven and a half. They are 6.7 this year. 
Uh, one bright spot is the PFF numbers. Those are up 73.3. His previous high was 61.5. But Logan Wilson, just a guy that doesn't really do much, you know. Um, the year that he kind of had his breakout, that sophomore year, he was it was off the back of making a lot of interceptions. Those interceptions aren't there uh, this year, and he's just kind of an average linebacker. Yeah. You know, 10 points per game out of a linebacker that was someone that was had, you know, had to be drafted with the top 12 um, linebacker pick. Like, no, uh, there's tons of linebackers you can find on waivers that do that. Yeah. So possibly Logan Wilson out a little bit over his skis to start the career. And it's just coming back to a more reasonable baseline expectation. I still like Logan Wilson, mm-hmm. but I just, you know, I think there was a lot of talk like, oh, this guy is like the next top five or, you know, whatever linebacker I don't really see that he, he just doesn't produce that way yeah he's that classic linebacker who as you start to adjust these dynasty ranks who are you pulling down if guys are moving up well Logan Wilson is a name that I'm sure you kept coming back to of like yeah we could bump him down bump him down sig yeah. we like to play buy sell hold a yeah. lot on our show buy sell hold Logan Wilson yeah and again it's so hard to give a simple answer to this question because it comes down to um, are you holding uh, Logan Wilson or are you trying to acquire him? And what does the other person on the other side of the trade think? Because I think that the case uh, was much stronger that Logan Wilson is going to be one of the next big things at linebacker. And you may, if you have Logan Wilson, be trading with somebody who is thinking, I'm going to buy low, he's 26 years old. Still, you know, he's a good all around linebacker. He's good enough. He doesn't have any holes in his game where he's going to get replaced or something like that. So I'm going to see if this is just a temporary blip. He has been banged up, et cetera. And give, I mean, again, let's keep using that second round pick. Second round pick is a really good meridian because a third round pick, again, with the Shaq Leonard talk, what are the chances that you're going to get a linebacker one in the third round? Uh, and what are the chances that Shaq Leonard is going to come all the way back from these various maladies to get back to where he was linebacker one? You can actually try to calculate those things and see which one you think is higher. But I, again, I want to stress that once you get to the third round of your rookie drafts, the success rate starts to fall off a cliff. It's a little bit higher in IDPs because IDPs stretch out the talent, but still not great. So um, I think a second round pick now, linebackers you take in the second round are usually, again, like your Quay Walkers and, and Devin Lloyds and so on, sometimes again to the late first. So that's why a second-round pick is that that dividing point. So I think a second-round pick for Logan Wilson might be too rich, but if you can get him without giving away a second-round pick, a third-round pick plus or something like that, now I'm interested. So all that case that was laid out that Logan Wilson really ain't all that, if the person holding Logan Wilson is like, ah, I just realized this and i have to try to get what i can for him before everybody else figures it out well maybe you want to be acquiring him maybe you want to be the person taking that chance so i really think it depends whether you're the buyer or the seller and what the state of mind is and i think he's he's right at that point where are you still holding on to what we thought was possible or are you so depressed of what's happened that you're being too hard on him here's another thing you know with with rostering these guys that aren't aren't currently special you're having to just use those guys as a, they're roster clogging you pretty much. You're not yep. going to take them out of your lineup because of what you paid for them. And you're probably missing out on maybe a, a Caden Ellis or a Jack Sanborn because you, it's not a need because you have this highly drafted guy in your lineup, you know? So yeah, it's, it's hard not to a take good spot those to guys in. out because there's a lot of sunk cost bias into, well, what did I pay to acquire Logan Wilson? What did I, what kind of draft capital did I have to use? Yeah. It's hard to move off that spot if you've got a Logan Wilson in your lineup. So yeah, I mean, as always, turn the linebackers when you can. Um, 
Yeah, as always. Yeah, so a a faller that's brings up an interesting case study for dynasty trades. And Bobby, I'm gonna cue you up on this one because this was actually one of your flag plants for this offseason. Xavier McKinney has been free falling in Adams Dynasty rankings recently. And I think the interesting conversation I want to have here is just safeties in dynasty leagues in general. What is your approach and philosophy when it comes to buy, sell, hold dynasty safeties? Well, I feel like it's changed in the last year or so. It felt like last year there were, I don't know, in between five and good defensive backs, safeties primarily at any given time. It feels like there are no good safeties right now. Yes, it does. You know, we're looking at a week where Derek Forrest just put up 12 tackles, 13 tackles, and is probably going to be a top three safety to – to finish week 12. Um, I don't know, man. The defensive backs are just really weird this year. We've Now it looks like we're going to lose Chauncey Gardner-Johnson maybe for some time. Um, Legarius Sneed is another guy that we've talked about on this podcast. It's a corner that if you want to roll him out as a defensive back, it's it's a perfectly acceptable um, you know replacement. But um, Xavier McKinney, another guy that we'll talk about as a dynasty faller who was one of my flag plans for this year. I thought he was going to be a t- top 12 safety. He was wearing the green dot. He's back healthy. I can't remember exactly what it was, maybe an ACL that he did um, right about the time frame when uh, Grant Delpit got hurt, actually. Um, I guess that was 2020. But, yeah, he's just been bad. Currently on the pup due to a hand injury. Um, hasn't had a double-digit tackle game in 2022. Um, hasn't had a double-digit tackle game in his career. Um, some other stats Addy has pulled here. Uh, he had five interceptions in 2021. He has zero in 2022. Yeah, the lack of big plays is killing him. Here's a question for you, Sig, too. Something yeah. that I'm kind of uh-huh. thinking about. Xavier McKinney, I think talent-wise, I think we have seen that he can be talented. Kind of the same as, as Justin Reed. But I know Xavier McKinney has worn the green dot for the Giants a lot of this year. Do you think that the green dot and IDP can pull some of these guys' production down some from the perspective hmm. of – they're so worried about getting everybody's alignment correct that they're not always worried about themselves. I don't know. That's a good question. What do you think, Sig? What's your thoughts yeah. on the green dot? I mean, overall, it's still be considered a positive. But I think you're sure. right. I think you're right to bring this up. That um, I think it highlights the way that the kind of contributions that players can make into defenses are not quantified more often than the contributions offensive players make, and uh, and sometimes, like you say, like the contributions they make can almost be to the detriment of the kinds of contributions that we track right like the, the players who create the pressure that forces the bad throw and in the interception or um, they flush the quarterback into somebody who's just like blocked but they can just reach their arm out and get a quarterback sack it's, it's not fair right there's no justice uh, but I think with Xavier McKinney just to take the baton on, on McKinney. I think that Josh, you're right to bring up just the state of safeties because as long as I've been playing IDP fantasy football, safety is the one position. It's like, if I have to rub two sticks together and get two safeties that I pick up off the waiver this week, I'm probably okay. Right. I mean, DeMar Hamlin's been fine. Right. I mean, just picking up injury replacements is fine. So giving up assets for safeties is not something you should be into. With Xavier McKinney, if we're talking about what to do with him, I think the answer is just don't drop him, depending on your bench size and things like that. And if someone does drop him, pick him up. Because I just don't think we've had a chance to get a fair view of him yet. I think just because of the injuries, because of the regime change. Um, but the green dot and using that as a jumping off point at least shows that this team trusted him. And the ATV accident and mm-hmm. the hand injury is uh, frustrating and unfortunate. 
but it could create this window where somebody is just ready. I don't care. I'm giving up on him, tossing him because he's still a player that has the, exactly the profile we want at safety for IDP production. I just don't think we've gotten a chance to see what he's capable of yet. Yeah. Eddie, you always like to say brighter days ahead, but some, some, Trends downward for Xavier McKinney. Can you say confidently brighter days ahead for the giant safety moving forward? I think so. Yeah, I mean, 9.35 points per game. I feel like that's that's uh, an outlier. I mean, he, he's he's better than that. The, the big plays just are not falling. And, I mean, that, that just happens year to year. Um, is he going to be someone that, you know, is a top five or six safety? No, I don't think so. I think we were – a little too optimistic about that, but he's a fine safety too to have on your roster. He's don't cut him, don't anything, don't anything dumb like that. But yeah, you just got to adjust your expectations. Yeah, I think that's a a reasonable outlook here in terms of this player is not bad. He is bad maybe relative to the expectations we had, and those high expectations created a larger opportunity for disappointment, which is what we're feeling right now. But if you reset expectations, then I think we can have a more proper appreciation for Xavier McKinney. And I want to mention here, we have talked linebackers with Shaq Leonard, Logan Wilson. We've talked safeties now with Xavier McKinney. Let's talk about a very, for me, the most interesting position for dynasty leagues because of the long-term kind of outlook you have to have with these young guys is edge rusher. So, Sig, we're going to talk about Mm -hmm. a couple pairs of guys in different situations, different contexts. The first pair we want to talk about here is Odafe Owe, Aziz Ojolari. When I mentioned earlier, I like to flip overperforming kind of under-the-radar assets for these up-and-coming edge rushers. These were two of the guys that I was thinking about, but they have not lived up to expectations this season. Do you see this as a buy window for guys like Odafe Owe and Aziz Ojolari? Yeah, yeah, and I think it's the same conversation as Xavier McKinney. You're not giving up assets. Well, I, I take that back, okay? In the sense that, I mean, guys, I'm in like 16-team IDP leagues with full defenses with 10-round rookie drafts and 10 uh, taxi squad spots. So, yeah, I might trade a fifth-round pick, maybe even a fourth. I don't know, even in that league. Um, But my point is I could see, depending on how granular and small the assets get in the draft, getting one of these guys on a bounce back. Um, but more you're trawling the waiver wire for people that are dropping players. So here's the general strategy, but I think you're right to highlight it with edge rushers. Um, and I use this on the offensive side of the ball too, uh, in dynasty. Have we affirmatively seen that this guy can't play? Right. And we amplify the importance of that question for early round draft picks. Uh, so we start to move on when we say, oh, you know, okay, I've seen enough. Like, he's not going to live up to what the team thought he was going to be. I don't think we can say that about Owe or Ojolari yet. Uh, Owe actually was off to a pretty good start last year. Remember, his story was all of the traits you want, but the production just wasn't there, at least the kind of production that we track in IDP leagues. starting to come last year. Now, this year, what do you have? You have a Ravens team that is in this perpetual state of – making that push, right? So what do we have on the defensive, uh, the edge position? Now you sign Jason Pierre-Paul, right? You sign Justin Houston, who's been awesome this year. Justin Houston's been fantastic. You bring him back like $3 million. Is that a statement about Owe? Is that a statement about what they think of Owe? I don't know. I don't think so. I think that edge rushers, um, maybe we need to be patient. We need to be more patient 
with these guys. Ojolari, um, and the other thing is you can comb back through the reports on the players, where they're creating positive buzz. Um, so putting these things in context, um, you know, by picking these guys up off the Peyton, Tom, uh, Peyton Turner, you know, in, in New Orleans. Every time Peyton Turner's got this little smidge of opportunity, you see him pop, right? Maybe it'll be Logan Hall next year. Those guys are on the same defensive line together. Uh, so I, I think you're, if we haven't affirmatively seen that these guys can't play and they were, you know, top 50, 60 picks, then yeah, I'm going to swoop in if somebody is ready to move on prematurely. Yeah, Addy, I'm, I'm bullish on both the outlook for both guys. I think you're probably a little more bullish on one versus the other, it seems like. Yeah, I think OA does concern me. I mean, when we look looking at the numbers, I mean, um, 8.7 points per game in 2021, that's down to 6.4 this year. Uh, 67.9 PFF grade in 2021, 54.7 in 2022. Um, 11.6 pressure rate last year, that's 9.4 this year. Maybe the most concerning thing about OA, the playing time. Weeks one through five, his playing time never dipped below 81% of the defensive snaps. Weeks six through nine, it was between 55 and 57. Weeks 11 and 12, 40% for both weeks. That's Yikes Town population, Odafe Owe. Now, like Sig mentioned, you know, yes, they, they have they have the some vets. nice vets. And, yes. and why they bring those guys in? Because they're legends, pretty much. And That's I mean, right. you hate to see Owe lose playing time, but I mean, you also have to keep in mind that guy is getting to learn from those guys. So, uh, and with Ojolari as well, I mean, he's, if he can get healthy, he is set up for success. You know, Dexter Lawrence, we know what we think about Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, they're both in good situations, and I, I think they are nice buys. Yeah, I think it's a situation where there's been some pretty clear regression from mm-hmm. Odafe Owe this season, but the Ravens are addressing that by bringing in, like you said, two legendary defensive linemen to help shore up the defense and help them make a playoff push. So it doesn't concern me. I think Again, resetting expectations to I'm not expecting these guys to be top 12 within their first two seasons. If they start to crest that hill in year three and year four, that's more in line with what my outlook is for these guys. If we don't see it, you know, going into the end of next season, then I'll be legitimately concerned if they're bringing in Justin Houston for his 28th season to run it back along this defensive line. Yes, then I might be concerned. But right now, no. Bobby, I want to tee you up here on these next two guys, Rashawn Gary and uh, Harold Landry, both guys that have been falling in Adams dynasty rankings because of injury. So this is another interesting conversation here. Are you the type that's going to buy the injury dip on these? Not, you know, not super old. They're not like in their early thirties or anything, but are you going to buy the injury dip on these really high level vets? Rashawn Gary, Harold Landry. Today on November 29th, I would look to acquire Harold Landry. I'm not interested in Rashawn Gary because literally this morning, here we are talking about J.K. Dobbins might be eligible. I don't even know where he's at in his time frame of injury. I don't know if he's still on IR. I don't know if he's in his window, whatever. But everybody came into the season thinking, okay, J.K. Dobbins could be a top 10 running back. And here he is continuing to kind of nurse this ACL injury that is not completely healed yet. So I know Adams talked about it on the last couple podcasts, but you know, Achilles injuries are Achilles injuries. Cam Akers, I don't think will have a major career in the NFL, nor will James Robinson. ACLs are not 
just a thing where once you have an ACL and you get the surgery, you're just cleared and you're back to your normal self. Um, I think they're obviously a better injury to have than an Achilles injury, but for Rashawn Gary, you're probably not getting to plug that guy into your lineup confidently until 2024, I wouldn't yeah. think. Um, Harold Landry's a different situation. I know he was an injury in the offseason. He probably will be more on track to play um, starting in uh, week one of 2023, but I'm not giving a lot to acquire either of those guys right now. Those are almost the type of guy to where if I have them and somebody else wants to come by, I probably want to sell them. I'm not really even looking to move, like Sig was saying, a, what, do you want to move a fourth for either of these guys? I'm, re- I'm really just not interested in a roster clogger right now. Yeah, I think, Addy, it depends on the price, obviously. But these are two guys that we've seen play at a very high level. So I am interested, but the price is important as yeah. we consider these two guys in particular. Yeah, I mean, if you're buying right now, I think this is the floor, right, of, of their value. Um, and it's only going to get more and more um, high as you approach the season for 2023. So, yeah, I mean, if you can get in now, I think it's a it's a fine time to get in and just hope that the recovery goes better than you know some of these recent examples. And go sell them to that rebuilding team and kind of sell it from the aspect of, hey, these guys will be great for you here in when the your next team couple. Is, yeah. When your team's hitting their Starting stride, those rookie running backs are getting going. And if you're rebuilding, do not buy either one of those guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you can do that, though, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I just love it. I'm, I'm sitting here looking at the name that we have, and it's Gary Landry. And uh, that's mm. actually an insurance salesman. That is, uh, that's not two nice. NFL last names there. So <laughs> I'm buying Gary Landry. Let's talk about some risers. We've talked some followers. Let's end on an optimistic note here, Sig. And uh, Bobby mentioned Nick Bolton earlier in the show. He is our first riser in the dynasty ranks. He is a guy who has broken the curse of the Chiefs linebackers, seemingly. So we had an interesting conversation, myself and Jake Colhagen, on the preview podcast from last week. And we both said we would pay sticker price for Nick Bolton. So I have a feeling with you wearing your contrarian bucket hat that maybe you're looking to cash out on Nick Bolton. How are you viewing this guy who has rocketed up dynasty rankings this season? I mean, I guess a good way to think about this, guys is how long have linebackers stayed in the top five? When we think of a top five dynasty linebacker, how long do they usually stay there, right? We were just talking about Shaq Leonard. Um, it's probably less, not as long as you think. Corey right? Littleton. Probably like three or four years. Like <laughs> yeah, Roquan three, and Devin three. White are the best examples recently, right? And Devin White is is at, is at risk, right? Like you yep. kind of hope you already traded Devin White, right? Yep. So I do think that this is one of those situations where if you can get, if, if you can get like a first round plus for Nick Bolt, you know, mm-hmm. I, because the other thing about IDP fantasy football and, and again, guys, like I love, you know how I sign off the IDP blitz. I say the IDP fantasy football is only real fantasy football. And I do think that there's so many, just your enjoyment of the game goes up so much when you play IDP fantasy football. And they're all the leagues I care the most about. All the leagues I care the most about are my IDP leagues. However, the dirty little secret of IDP fantasy football is how replaceable the players are. Mm-hmm. It's just not the same. There's a, so much more of a finite supply of relevant players on the offensive side that you you feel more desperate to get those guys. On the IDP side, um, edge like like edge rusher defensive end might be the one exception uh, because that's kind of like tight end where when you have someone who misses, you you drag your lineup down. 
with linebacker, you can always be rubbing two sticks together. And again, in a totally unjust way, it can be a, a not so great linebacker on a not so great team that you just pick up in week eight, like Jack Sanborn, that outproduces Nick Bolton. Mm-hmm. Doesn't even matter that you had Nick Bolton. I see your Nick Bolton. I raise you Jack Sanborn and Caden Ellis, right? <laughs> so I think when you when you have that peak value locked in, that's the time to get out. Mm. Yeah, Baba, we know that Nick Bolton is in a primo situation there with the Chiefs. He does have Willie Gay, who is seemingly the second banana. So it's not like he's the you know one clear linebacker with no other guy nipping at his heels, but I think the pecking order has been pretty well established that it's Nick Bolton and then Willie Gay. Mm-hmm. So you are the manager. You have Nick Bolton in our main league. Someone comes and offers you a fill in the blank that will make you move Nick Bolton. What is that price? Mm. Is it a first right now? Well, as a team sitting here, hopefully going to make the playoffs with an, I don't even know what my record is, eight and four, and I'm still chewing my fingernails. Um, probably a first because exactly like Sig is saying, you know, Shaq Leonard, Roquan Smith maybe is the outlier there, but Devin White, you know, and then even I chimed in really loudly, but, uh, Corey Littleton, uh, the Corey Littleton of 2018 or 2019, I can't forget the Corey year. And then he wasn't even in LB three, the following every single year, you should probably trade the LB one, two, three, four, whatever they are. Even if that, even if exactly what Sig is saying, even if it looks like that Devin White, I'm sorry, that Nick Bolton might not be Devin White because we look at the PFF numbers for for Nick Bolton, seventy nine point nine overall PFF grade, eighty two point seven run defense, sixty. I'm sorry, seventy six percent in coverage. I mean, it's a little bit different numbers than Devin White, but probably a first. If you can give me a first in 2023, I'm probably getting rid of him. Yeah, Addy, I think there's two important just kind of broad statements we can establish here when it comes to this discussion. You should always try to cash out on linebacker. That's kind of the number one thing. And also, it's totally context dependent. If you're in the midst of, like Bobby, a playoff push, what good does a 2023 first do for you right now if you now have a hole where your linebacker one spot used to be? There's something to be said for those set-it-and-forget-it options in IDP, which Nick Bolton absolutely is. So I think the discussion here we're having is you're probably holding these guys if you're making a push. You're looking to cash out if you're in the opposite situation. And in a vacuum, you should be looking to cash out. So what's the price? What's the price for Nick Bolton? What's a fair return for this guy? I think you're going to have a hard time getting a 2023 first. I mean, that's those are hard to come by. Mm-hmm. So I think if you're looking if you're looking for 2023 picks, you're going to you're going to get a second. And then is someone going to give you two 2023 seconds? I don't think so. So I think you're looking for like a 2023 20, second and then like maybe you can get a future 2024 20, second, something like that. Yeah. But I, the getting the first next year, I don't think so. Yeah, that's that. Because maybe. like Sig just mentioned, everyone knows this. You know, that, that's yes. not a secret. Everyone knows. Everyone's aware of Kay Nellis and Jack Sanborn, and you know the people that just plucked those guys off the wire and are, are now have a, a massive advantage. I mean, everybody knows. So it's it's hard to get that top draft capital for 
linebackers. Yeah, and we've mentioned these guys already, Sig, but Jack Sanborn, Zaire Franklin, two darlings here, two of these linebackers that, especially Sanborn, came out of total obscurity. They're now more valuable in Dynasty than they've ever been. So my question to you is, to what end? Is there a a situation where, or a, a context for your team where you would just rather hold these guys? Are they perfect sale right. candidates in your mind? What are we doing with these guys who we see it every year pop up out of nowhere and become IDP darlings uh, for that season? Yeah, Sanborn, I would try to sell for a second and hold otherwise. Um, I, I, and if you're, and, and this includes whether you're in it or not. Um, I mean, if you're in it, you might be you might someone might offer you a second you might say well when you look at how he's been scoring for you and you're making a push um absolutely this is not something that as a team that is a rebuilding that you should say well i'm going to cash this in for a pick unless it's a second round pick um and zaire franklin guys so i gave up i i lost i don't even remember who it was i lost on one of my teams at linebacker and i went hunting about a month ago and i was able to give up my second round pick uh, which will be in the second half of the first of the second round. I don't know where. We'll see. At the uh, twelve. Well, yeah, it's somewhere <laughs> from nine. It's a it's a fourteen team league. Somewhere from eight to fourteen. I gave up a second round pick, my second to get a fourth that should be in the top half of the fourth. You know, from the team that was trading with Zaire Franklin, um, and I got Franklin. So so for a round plus move, I feel I feel great about look Zaire Franklin guys Zaire Franklin's scoring profile is basically gonna look the same as Nick Bolton's like if for Zaire Franklin like I'm taking Nick Bolton I'm saying how about give me Zaire Franklin and some other assets you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. um I think this is another one where we get hung up on pedigree but if you've actually watched Zaire Franklin play and you see how they've determined his usage versus Okereke and his version and what he's doing for this team then you know that they have to be looking at him as they, well, we've got this position figured out now. You know, it's really sad what happened to Shaq Leonard, but we've got this position figured out. So I think that the IDP hive mind might still be too skeptical about like what you see, what you get. This is Zaire Franklin. He's here. He's arrived. He's not going anywhere. Yeah, there's under contract. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. He is under contract. Bobby O's out the door. Shaq Leonard's future is uncertain. The Colts linebacker we feel best about is Zaire Franklin, the 100% snap man. Uh, I think, Addy, that's a great question you need to ask yourself is, do do these kind of waiver wire darling linebackers have a brighter future than maybe what I'm envisioning? Could they have value beyond the current season? And I think both these guys, the answer is yes. Now, to varying degrees, uh, based on context, draft capital, but I think you're high on both of these guys for 2023. Yeah, I mean, Sanborn, you know, like Sinch, uh, Sig kind of mentioned earlier, I mean, there's no one there next year, and he's putting it on tape and, and producing right now. I mean, so that's that's gonna that's gonna weigh on the on the GM's mind this offseason, I think. Uh, and plus, just I mean, the fans are are pumped up. You, you search Jack Sambor's name on Twitter, and <laughs> it's just a bunch of fans. Just, All the uh, normie NFL pods I'm I listen to are raving. They're in. about Jack Sanborn. Caden Ellis, same story. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Sanborn, you know we saw that early college production: eighty tackles, five and a half sacks, nine tackles for loss, three ints as a sophomore at Wisconsin. So the guy just knows how to stuff the stat sheet, and he's doing it again this year. Zaire Franklin, he's the LB four on the season. Averaging 15 points per game. Um, 
wearing that captain patch, like you mentioned. You love that captain patch. I love that You're captain patch. You're all in on the captain patch. It means something, you know? I mean, yeah, they, they think enough of him to, to give it to him. I mean, he's clearly a leader of that defense. I mean, he's he stepped up big for them this year when they really needed him to. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think you, you got to feel good about Zaire Franklin for 2023. Yeah. Let's wrap things up here, gentlemen, with a couple of Addy favorites. And we want to start with a safety who, unfortunate news this morning, lacerated kidney for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who has been the heart and soul of that Eagles defense. Addy, let's, there's a possibility they said he could be back this season. So let's, let's assume that this is not a you know, significant injury that's going to cost him a lot of time. You love Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Are you cashing out because this is a dynasty safety, the conversation we are having about Xavier McKinney, or are you holding on to this guy just because you love him so much? I mean, I do love him. I mean, and, and he is someone that I think I will hold on to because what am, what am I going to get if I sell him? Is someone going to give me a second for him? Probably not. Is someone going to give me a third? Yeah, maybe. But you want to play with guys that you like, right? That's what. That's why we do this. Like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was one of the most fun players in the NFL. Um I want that guy on my team, and I just love the way he scores. You know, he, he's already gone over 20 points four times this year. He's averaging 15 points per game. Um, he's averaging five and a half tackles a game. That's up from his previous high of 4.4. Uh, he's on pace for a. He was on pace for 1,100 snaps before getting injured. I mean, just across the board, everything is up. Um, I love his role there now in Philly. The usage is is much different than, than what it was in New Orleans. Um, 2022 usage, 57% of his snaps are coming at free safety. 24% are coming in the box, 16% in the slot. Whereas in New Orleans, he was playing primarily slot corner. 66% of his snaps were at slot. Um, so it's just, it's nice to see him move into this more traditional safety role and also be productive with it. Yeah. Sig, the question I want to ask you here is something I, I was joking with Addy, but I really think it's important. When you play fantasy football, how much of it is I want to have a team of dudes that I enjoy watching, rooting for, that make this game more enjoyable for me? How much of a factor is that for you? Most of it. I I mean, I've often, the way I like to say it, guys, is (laughs) um, fantasy football, it's a share in greatness, you know? It lets us have a little piece of it. It makes it allows us to 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 feel that exhilaration, and absolutely, you want. I mean, again, let's get back to the genesis of fantasy football. I want to be a GM and put my own team together, have my team fail or succeed based on my decisions. So that starts off with who do you? I mean, it almost makes me sad, guys. It almost I'm gonna shed a tear when I think about this. My first dynasty IDP league, which I think I still have never won. It's still going, believe it or not. Um, I have never won. But my first Dynasty IDP startup draft was uh, 2005. I remember I was the one who broke the seal. Uh, let's do a little quick, quick. Um, you're letting me have the floor, so I'm going to do this, okay? The year, the, the year was 2005, and I broke the seal around pick 80 or 90 in the startup draft with the first IDP. Who do you think it was? 2005. Goodness. Um, somebody from that Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, maybe? Um, no, no, but you're in the right division. Brian Erlacher, Luke Keekley, Luke Keekley. Ah, now just move up a level on the defense. Julius Pepper. Oh, wow. okay. I was that was taking me back. That was like, yeah, uh, yeah. That's yeah. Uh, 
What, uh, yeah, but, anytime you can get a Hall of Famer to break the seal with, that's pretty good. <laughs> right, and I wanted to get those touchdowns that he got as a tight end, but he never got the touchdowns because they always committed pass interference on him when they would put him in as a tight end. You guys remember that? Yeah. Uh, and, and anyway, it was tight end premium too, so I was going to get extra bonus points. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, I can remember just how, how jazzed I was to do that draft and to feel like, because it was before, guys, it was before it's easy to get into uh, Dynasty Leagues. Mm-hmm. And just like I can put together a team of my guys, like every time I was on the clock, like I agonized over it. I really ran the simulation like this is my team and my guys and it's a dynasty league. I'm stuck with them. And if I wanted or I have to let them go or or I I, I just gave away an asset for nothing, you know. Um, and of course you want it to be when there's a guy that gets you excited to watch football. Those are the guys you want on your team. That's what brings you back. And then another point I'll make about Chauncey Gardner Johnson. And now he's going to be a free agent. We'll see. That's why one of the reasons he was so cheap for them. Um, and this goes back to the Rashawn Gary Harold Landry thing, too, is uh, you do want to, as much as you can, factor in, uh, especially for your big play leagues, the environment, right? So the problem with Rashawn Gary and the problem with Harold Landry is that what are the Packers going to look like two years from now? What are the mm-hmm. Titans going to look like two years from now? Now, if Chauncey Gardner-Johnson signs with the Eagles and he continues to get to play this role, ooh, now we're talking, right? I mean... I know the name Darren Sharper has a lot of bad associations with it now, but if we're just talking about Darren Sharper in a football context, if you remember what he did with the Saints, the year the Saints won the Super Bowl, right? Um, or was it Vikings? I'm sorry. The year the Saints won the Super Bowl, it was when the Vikings lost to the Saints. My point is that he, what did he have that year? Like eight or nine interceptions? Um, he was just roaming because it was teams, it was playing stressed out offenses. So if your offense is good, your defense is going to get to face a stressed out offense that is having to push beyond its boundaries of what it can actually do to keep up with the opposition boy does not look like what the eagles are going to be right so chauncey gardner johnson can continue to play this role and continue to produce the way he has because of that environment but also yeah you gotta love him it was hurt down here in new orleans guys it hurt not cd deuce you gonna trade someone right before the season because of money or whatever not him they got taramathu and then he hasn't been the same by the way quick side i'll reveal this again my my stepson played on the same flag football team as Tyron Matthews' son. I didn't find out until the playoff. <laughs> wow. Yeah, Man. it was crazy because he wasn't wearing the jersey. He was one, wasn't wearing the Matthew jersey until the playoff game. And oh. uh, all the other kids on the other team were tar- absolutely putting it on him, like targeting him. <laughs> and, like, they knew. They yeah. knew. As his mom said, they knew who his daddy is. That's right. Uh, <laughs> and uh, anyway, as I digress, um, if you're if, – if, Fan, like find the part of fantasy football that makes you excited or made you excited to begin with to play fantasy football and it should be something that happens while you're watching the games mm-hmm. yes absolutely what a beautiful kind of a bow to put on the chauncey gardner johnson discussion there fantasy is more fun when you roster players that you like to watch that you like to root for fun players make fun teams you got mean mug tom brady yeah exactly Addy's big into that. You throw up the peace stuff. sign to Tyreek, Antoine Winfield, DB1. Yes. Uh, same with CJ Gardner-Johnson. Go listen to a uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson interview. The dude is yeah. just upset at the world. Yes, he is. He plays with yeah, a whole bag of chips on his shoulder, and you absolutely love to see it. Yeah. We wrapped up the faller section with some edge rushers. So very quickly, gentlemen, let's get out of here on this 
And new players in new situations, we should mention that's an interesting conversation for Dynasty as well. Another Addy fav- favorite to take us out here, the final Dynasty riser, Uchenna Nuosu. Let's just go around the table, gentlemen. Let's assume that you are in a situation where, well, I won't assume that you want to buy them. If you want to sell them, what are you looking for? If you want to buy them, what are you willing to pay? I'll kick us off. I mean, this dude has come in and broken. We mentioned the curse of the Chiefs linebackers. No one relevant there for IDP. The Seahawks defensive line was a wasteland uh, for IDP relevance until Uchenna Nuwasu came in this year. I'd be willing to go definitely a 2023 third for this guy, maybe even a second round pick. That's how big of a fan I have become, thanks to you in large part, Addy, of Uchenna Nuwasu. What about you? Yeah, pretty much same thing. I'd be willing to spend a second in a league where he's listed as an edge or he's a defensive lineman. If he's a linebacker, which he'll still be that in a lot of leagues, I'm not interested in acquiring. Yeah, let's assume true position but here, yeah. Bobo. What are you? What do you want to do with Nuasu? He had five sacks with the Chargers in all of 21. Uh, had five sacks by week eight this year. There you um, go. Arrow up. up. Absolutely. I mean, same with y'all. Second, third. I'm fine with uh, you know could this guy could almost be one like we started the podcast off with a Garrett Miles Garrett for Uchina Nuasu plus something else yeah. Yeah, Jalen Phillips something yeah. like that there sure. you go sick take us home Uchina Nuasu yeah. what are we doing here yeah we like it again situation edge rushers Seattle's better than we thought Russell Wilson's worse than we thought <laughs> uh, the Chargers should have kept him to replace Melvin Ingram but oh well uh, Seattle we have to get used to the idea that a assets are going to appreciate in Seattle maybe going forward. Yeah, that's the thing is we thought maybe Seattle was the dumpster fire. Denver was the rocket ship taking off. It might actually be the opposite here, and we have to recalibrate recalibrate our expectations for what Seattle can be moving forward. Hey, what could you have gotten for Uchenna uh, last year? What would you have had to pay to acquire him? A fifth. Oh, yeah. Nothing. Fifth? Yeah. Nothing. Zero. Yeah, Pick exactly. him up on waivers? The, the, the value was, yeah, at a, at a real low compared to where it is now, and that's why he's a dynasty riser, Addy. So, Hopefully y'all have enjoyed this breakdown of Dynasty League maneuvering in general and also some players who have been risers and fallers. Sig, I always like to just tee you up as we exit out here. The fantasy playoffs are coming up. We've got two more weeks of the regular season for most leagues. If you could give one piece of advice to folks out there playing IDP fantasy football as we enter this home stretch, what would you say? Just to echo what we've been saying, embrace the chaos. Embrace the instability. Embrace the senselessness. Uh, just don't ask questions. Things are going to happen that don't make sense. But if you are willing to accept those things instead of being skeptical, you're going to benefit from that. Your opponent might, uh, like we talked about complacency, all those different things. This is when championships are, are won and lost, and it doesn't always make sense why. Uh, it's just more of being open and learning to what the game is telling us instead of arguing with it. Yeah, embrace the chaos. Very well said, my friend. Appreciate you, as always, coming on, chopping it up with us, talking IDP, talking life, talking philosophy. That's what we love, Addy. He's all those things rolled into one. He is going to roll into his take kitchen now and uh, continue cranking out these spicy takes for the rest of the season. But thank you all for listening. Be sure to give Sig a follow over on Twitter at Sigmund Bloom. We are at the IDP show. You can find Sig's work over at footballguys.com. We are at the idpshow.com and you can hear more of Sig's takes in the audibles feed. And we are 
at the IDP show. So make sure you're subscribed to both pods. And uh, we've got some more stuff cooking, some more stuff coming down the pipe. But as you embrace the chaos the rest of this season, we are going to help you navigate it. So for Adam and Bobby and Sigmund Bloom, I am Josh Raymer. We will see you all next time. When I go home, everything's at risk. Welcome to something.